Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. There's a whole bunch of stuff in this Torah portion. Lots and lots of laws, some of them seemingly um, uh, unrelated, uh, lots of topics being discussed, a whole lot of things we, we, we can talk about. I will obviously talk about everything. It's excessive. It would take forever. Maybe next generation, next life, who knows? In in, 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 in heaven, we have time to talk about all of it. Anyhow, before I go into my spiel, um, so I'll be focusing a little bit of attention. I had, Jeff had asked me last night what references or additional scriptures to read, and it was the Deuteronomy and the uh, Romans uh, reference. I'll be gearing a little bit of this toward those particular topics. So, those, sorry about us being discussed. So, in this Torah portion, obviously, you have a whole lot of different laws. A lot of them are civil laws, meaning how you treat other people, your, your organization as far as uh, how a civil, civilized society works, uh, interact with people, interact with God as well. There's a few references to, to how you deal with your God, but dominantly, this is from person to person. We have lots and lots and lots of civil laws in our current society. There's millions of them. I think literally millions of them. I'm not making that number up. There's like six... Six million. I, I, there's a whole bunch of laws in, in our society. Lots and lots of civil laws. Um, obviously, God's laws are very few in comparison to that. Uh, before we go too deeply into these civil laws, uh, I would spend a little bit of time on not so much the individual laws themselves, so much as the cons behind it. So, I'm going to talk about this pretty generally. So, so bear with me for for a little bit here. So, our God, if through our Torah has basically two, oops, this is too high up. I'll come right down a little bit. Two primary categories of laws. We have what we call religious laws. I'll put a big R up here for religious laws. And civil laws, big C for civil laws. Now, in our society today, the Western society most dominantly, which includes obviously European and Western United States, or Western European and United States, we tend to categorize these as totally, totally different things. We have our religious laws, which for the most part, uh, our society couldn't care less about. You can't murder each other. There's no human sacrifice. We have some limitations we do for our setting religious laws, but for the most part, that's religious. Then we have, of course, our civil laws, which, of course, how we deal with other people, uh, interact with, with, with our government, interact with individuals, citizens. Uh, that's how we work as a society as, as a whole. Well, that's great for our our world, our way of being, our way of life, it works fine for us. For the most part, I see we're fine, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek there because we have some, some, some issues with that. But as a general rule, we keep these two things separate in our society. That's not the case in our Torah. God doesn't keep things separate in this case. And there's, there's, we're talking about that. So civil law, as far as our Torah is concerned, is no different than religious laws. So this arbitrary line we, we have separated in our society, as far as God's concerned, that line does not exist. Civil laws and religious laws are the same laws. We ask ourselves, well, why is that? Why, why, why are they not different? Well, there's a lot of reasons why they aren't different. And that 
the primary reason which I would put, put, present to you, and this is, by the way, this part, this reason I give you is Daniel H.'s opinion. So you can disagree with it, that's fine. Primary reason that we have that I believe that God makes these the same is one of the main Ten Commandments to not take God's name in vain. Now we ask, well, how, do, how is that related? How does God's name being taken in vain or not taken in vain relate to these, to these two religious or civil laws? Well, pretty simple, actually. When I talk to you, or you talk to me, or I interact with him, or he interacts with me, or my neighbor, or the guy down the street, or my government, or my president, or my child, what I am doing is interact with human beings. I, I'm interacting with another human and they interact with me. They recognize and talk to me in whatever topic it happens to be, or whatever life, whatever, whatever interaction it may be. It's, we're interacting with, with each other. If I claim openly that uh, I follow a particular religious God, in this case, the God of the Torah, so Yehovah, you can just debate how you spell his name. Um, if I claim that that's the God I follow, then when I interact with another person who may or may not know that particular God, they're only going to interact with me not in the religious realm, but only in a civil realm. They understand how I treat them, how I, how I, whether I rob them, whether I beat them up, whether I kill things. That's how they interact with me. That's their understanding of me. They have no clue what I pray about. They don't interact with that way. But they do interact with it this way, the civil law category. That's how I interact with the person. Well, if I'm openly claiming with my words, I believe this particular God, I follow the Torah that he gave, what do they see? They, do they see my Torah observance? Not generally, no. They still see my civil law observance, how I treat them. So if I'm claiming this is the God I'm going to follow, I follow his Torah, if I interact with them in a negative, civil way, let's say I murder or I steal or I do some corrupt thing that's not relevant to my God per se, if I interact with them in the same way, or, they, or at least they perceive me doing that, maybe I take bribes, who knows, all these various things I might be doing wrong, in, in a civil society, a civil way, they're going to associate my actions, my civil actions with my God that I claim to follow. And if I don't do my civil actions well, correctly, honorably, morally, they're going to associate those same actions with the God I claim to follow. Get the point now? So, hence, as far as the Torah is concerned and God's concerned, civil law and religious law are the same law. They all reflect him. They reflect his way, his name, his identity. So everything is categorized as a same group. Hence why a Torah does not separate civil versus religious laws. Don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing that there aren't extra or extensions or things outside the Torah that men create. There are a whole bunch of civil laws that men make that God did not make. Those are not in this grouping. We're talking the civil laws of our Torah specifically. These are Torah's civil laws and Torah's religious laws. We're not referring to man's extra or additional or add-on to civil laws. So this is the basic premise when we deal with, when we deal with the Torah, why the civil laws are just as equally important as the religious laws. Messiah said this a couple of different ways. 
but the one that we all know really, really, really well, which is a quote from the Torah, is <laughs> you shall love the Lord your God with your heart, uh, your, 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 your strength, and uh, so your, your heart, strength, and your soul. And then Messiah also has a mind in there too later on. And it all says, you shall love your neighbor. I'm, I'm abbreviating on my, 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 my board here. As yourself. These are two categories that God's pointing out. How are you going to love it? Messiah, Messiah recited our Torah says the same thing. So as far as the, the Torah or Messiah is concerned, the religious laws follow the category of loving your heart with your love your Lord your God with your heart, uh, your, 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 your soul, your strength, and your mind. That's how you interact with your God. In the civil law category, you're showing love to neighbor as yourself. So these are the same principles, hence why our Torah shoves them together. These are all from our God. We treat them equally. This is where it gets a little funny which I like this part because, again, it's the best part when you're studying the Bible instead of the Torah is when exceptions show up, when alterations show up that you were planning on and didn't think about. These are great things that we learn the depth of God's comprehension, what we want to, not comprehension, depth of what God's trying to explain to us to improve our comprehension. So civil religious laws are grouped together as one thing, and that shows our love of God and love of, of, of neighbor as ourselves. I'm going to erase these real quick so I can add to my whiteboard here. So we deal with civil laws, as I mentioned before, in our society, United States it is, and of course many other nations do too, have a bazillion, oh, that's exaggeration, they're just millions. Anyway, lots of civil laws. So lots and lots of civil laws. There's civil man's law, and there's, of course, civil God's law. The Torah discusses civil God's law. What God said, this is how you interact with the people, the societies, and, and, and groups. Man, however, said, forget that. I want to add a whole bunch. So man added lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of law, finances, and, and a whole bunch of other things. We got laws about everything. You name it law, we, we got one somewhere. Some are old, some are new, but there's a more law. Just, just find it. It's there. So we have lots and lots of laws. Now, this is where it gets interesting. So let's pretend, for example, I'm a human being, which I am. Oh, so, uh, there's also, so, lamb, so man's laws many times aren't so civil. Huh, that's true. <laughs> that's a correct statement. We're going to talk precisely about that issue. So man has lots of laws and they aren't civil always. That's true. <laughs> so in this instance, so I have a lot of man's laws. We have laws regarding everything. Regardless, I'm not going to cover each every law. It's ridiculous. So it would take forever. Uh, so in this case, we're going to do with man's laws. Let's cover one, which our Torah portion talks about, that man believes in certain societies, certain nations, believes he overcame. We're going to talk about a particular civil law called slavery. Slavery. I think how you spell slavery. It's close. L-A-V-E-R. Yeah, I got it right. Good. So slavery. So slavery. Now, this Torah portion covers, obviously, examples of how you deal with slaves. Uh, and as far as the, how you treat them, you can't abuse them. Uh, there's a time which they can go free, yada, yada, all these various rules. Well, in our civil laws in our country, and almost half, a little, a little over half, the country, the world, slavery has been banned. The other half, it's not banned. It's still active. So, so about half the globe, slavery is now done away with. They, well, that's great. That means 
the civil laws regarding slavery are finished. Wonderful. In certain, at least half the country, half the countries of the world, the other half, they're still, they still, they still capture in different forms. Now, I say outlawed, meaning outlawed, but they're still functionally practiced, meaning even our own country, we do, we, we do what they call sex slaves, which is still slavery, it's just a different version of it, but it's, it hasn't changed, really. We, we, we officially outlawed it, but practice-wise, we really didn't. Um, but it, so we would deal with slavery in our case of racism, talk about sex in general. Um, in the case of slavery, we aren't the only ones who outlawed it. Many nations did, and actually... Uh, the, the, the nation of Judah also outlawed it, which records in Jeremiah. Uh, we'll cover all the details, but take your curious here into 34. Discusses that they, they, they officially outlawed slavery of their own people in Jeremiah 34. So we have a scenario, which of course, man regarding slavery creates a civil law. This is in case Jeremiah 34, civil law that outlaws slave enslavement of a Hebrew or fellow person of, 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 of Judah. So a man outlawed the slavery. Now, of course, Jeremiah 34, like, you know, three verses later, they backtrack, but still, okay. Human beings, human beings. We're all, we're all the same. So they temporary outlawed slavery for like, probably a month. I don't know how long it was, but they outlawed it and God, and then they backtracked. Now they, well, if I outlaw something that God talks about in his Torah, does that mean I overruled the Torah? The answer of course is no. All I did is make it not apply. So I made, when a man creates a law that makes a Torah law no longer apply, it's not, it's not, 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 not an aban- a, a, a correction or alteration or destruction of the Torah. It just doesn't apply. That's all it means. For example, there are laws of men and women when they're married. Those are different laws than when they're not married, right? So if I get married, a different set of laws apply to me that didn't apply to me when I was single and vice versa. Laws are single that apply to me because I'm married. I have responsibilities. Things change. I didn't destroy a law. I just said, these laws went from applying while I was young and single to no longer applying because I'm no longer young and single. Oh, would this be righteousness above the Torah? Matthew 5, 20. That's a great question. So, and, and actually, that, that's actually not just a question, that's actually a great statement. It is a type of righteousness above the Torah. A type, not the only type, but a type. Now, in the case of Jeremiah 34, when it talks about this, this is verse, in case you're curious, Jeremiah 34, verse 8 through 22 discusses this, this scenario which they outlawed the Torah, outlawed slavery, and then backtracked. Now, in that case, Jeremiah says, no, 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 you were right to outlaw it. That was a good thing. That's a positive thing. That's a blessing. Good. We want to end the slavery. That's wonderful. To backtrack, it's worse. You actually were worse. So they would have been better off to remain slavery as opposed to backtracking. And of course, so slavery was outlawed in Jeremiah by the king, but then they went back to it. They said, what? We can't get rid of these slaves. It's no different than Pharaoh saying, okay, you all go free. Wait a minute, three days later, I want you back. We can't let you guys go free. So there's this loop, this cycle loop that took place within Jeremiah 34 is a, is a serious problem. God was through Jeremiah was saying, it was great. Good job. You got rid of slavery. Woohoo. And then they said, uh, no, wait, <laughs> I want it back. And God said, bad move. You don't get to go back. And the point being that it wasn't that God had an issue necessarily with his laws on slavery. 
it wasn't that his taxes was wrong or or the the the, the, the excess incorrectly recorded his laws on slavery they were governing laws of if you have a slave these scenarios must take place you cannot you cannot cut them short or let them go let let the or, or skimp on the application of these laws ending slavery however was a great thing because it produced what we call freedom so this is a good thing that the government of slavery when they backtracked they went back to what we call oppression or taking over people so that was a bad thing so god wasn't upset with getting rid of slavery that was fine but stick with it be consistent stay with it that's a good thing so that was okay so we have an example of which man created a civil law that made a Torah civil law no longer apply. That's good in this instance. Now, can man make a law that makes a civil law no longer apply? That's a bad instance. Well, yes, actually, it can. <laughs> man does that all the time. So you make lots of laws that the Torah does not permit, uh, but, but in, in, in that we use or we apply in our society. You can name them. I know California has a number of them. No offense to people those still in California. A lot of strange laws regarding sexuality in children. So there's some strange laws that would, that would completely be against in every capacity the civil laws in our Torah, and yet man still makes them. So man makes lots of laws that aren't necessarily good. We have to watch when we're dealing with good laws versus bad laws. The question arises when you have man's civil laws, when we erase the slavery one for now, Man makes less civil law, some civil laws, whatever. And you, as a, somebody who's trying to follow the laws of God, we have the scenario. We have a civil law that is against, against oh, misspelled, against, misspelled that correctly. AI, in, close enough. Uh, yeah, against. That's against the Torah. Now we have a problem. We have a law that prohibits something in the Torah. This is where it gets very difficult, very complicated for human beings, for at least us who are trying to follow the Torah. This is not just the only thing that's happened. Happens, it's been happening for thousands of years. Man creates a law that the Torah says, no, you can't do that. The whole Maccabee revolution, we, we, we deal with it with the civil war took place. That's a whole bunch of man's laws that were specifically targeting the Torah to destroy it. That's obviously an example of we have civil laws made. The Torah says, hey, these are wrong civil laws. We have obviously examples of the Roman Empire when they took over, the Greek Empire when they took over. Lots and lots of laws created and generated designed to destroy or take, dismantle or take away both the civil and religious laws in the Torah. And that's where it gets complicated because we as human beings struggle with that. Which law do I follow? Do I follow the laws of the country that I'm in? Do I follow the laws of God? And honestly, it's not an easy thing to answer at all times. Some of them are obvious, all right? But some are not so obvious. When we're dealing with a not so obvious law, it's, it's complex. I'm not arguing you know, civil disobedience. But the point is, when you have a civil law that man makes that's against the Torah, we, as people who are observant and following God and still claim to follow the God of the Torah, Yehovah, or how you pronounce his name, that says you take no other God's name, so don't take my name in vain, I mean, don't lower it to a commonality or a common standard or some lower level than what it actually is. We, say, we have this issue, I have a civil law that would require me to lower God's identity, lower God's name, lower God's status. 
well, then I'm breaking a religious law and civil law, that matter, but I'm breaking religious law, the Torah. And that's, that's where it gets complicated. It is a response of the civil law, the man-made take for that. So, for example, we have the laws that the Romans have implemented and the Greeks implemented at different times. For example, let's, hear, let's just discuss what, real quick what we all will know really, really well. The, the requirement of no longer reading the Torah during the, the Maccabean period, during the, the Antioch's Epiphanies, right? That's okay. They said, well, okay, how do I deal with not reading the Torah anymore? Well, hence, Jesus will create the Haftarah, the Haftarah which, is, which is a tolerable way of trying to apply the law civilly, the civil law that was not necessarily destructive to the laws of God. Okay, that was somewhat manageable. That's an example of the Torah. Man could be a law against the Torah, and, and people say, okay, I can work around this law. So they took a civil law that was against a religion and said, I'll work around by creating the Haftarah. And that kind of worked. Hey, great. It kind of worked. Hey, we can manage this. Uh, it was working okay. It's not, not perfect, but it's tolerable. Hopefully, this law will pass. So, we create where a civil law was created against God, against the Torah. They, I'm going I'm to compromise and make a snare which I can survive during the civil law period. That was manageable. But then the civil law came, thou shalt not circumcise. Uh, circum. I'm gonna be because I can't remember circumcise. That's different. So in this case, you have a problem. Okay, a, a civil law is made. I can't circumcise my sons. Okay, how do I deal with this law? If I, I can't find a simple compromise to it, so some women, for example, went in hiding. They had baby birth. They tried to conceal their baby for as long as possible, much like how Moses was concealed. Well, unfortunately, they were found out, and many of them were hung and slaughtered along with their children because they were circumcised. So in this case, we have a civil law that is not so easily avoided because again, it's against, it's against the Torah. And so in this case, civil disobedience, hence the Maccabean revolt, they said, hey, we can't go this far. We went this far with the Haftarah. We can tolerate that part. We can't go this far. This is too far. So they, hence they, they, they resisted, pushed back, disobedience, fought back, and pushed in the coffee. See, we, they won this, the war for, for, uh, for this, both the civil war and the war against the Syrians, the, the NX-50s. So the case of civil laws, it's complicated that we have to decide, all right, is there a scenario which the law can be applied and, and I can still tolerate it versus I can't tolerate it. So these are important things to discuss, and, 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 and we, we, we deal with these details when it comes to slavery and the issues that the Torah brings up to this Torah portion, as well as other laws. So in our society, we have obviously slavery gotten rid of and such, and that, that's great and all, so it's wonderful. So we, and it was a tolerable civil law that changed an application of the Torah, not the Torah itself, but application of the Torah, a civil law was applied to God said, hey, that's great. Not a problem. We're all good with that. I'm cool with that. No problems at all. Um, so now that we don't have slavery anymore. We're free, right? Of course not. Slavery, this is one of the great things that Apostle Paul brings out. Um, it, actually, Messiah does it in John, John chapter 8. Paul does it in Romans 6 and a few other, a few other spots. Uh, you're still a slave. So am I. We have the man's civil law that got out of slavery. That sounds great. That's wonderful. We're still slaves. That doesn't change. So in Romans 6, it's also recorded in John 8. Let's go there. So Romans 6, 
I like Roman's wording, but Messiah's wording is just as great. Uh, let's see here. Romans. Find the book here. Romans 6, it discusses this. This is a, a, a repetition or reiteration of what Messiah already argued in John 8. So Romans 6, verse uh, 15. Hold on, wrong page. There it is. Uh, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace, meaning we slavery is God, right? We're, we're free, right? Uh, certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness? But of course, God, be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart, that from the doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm seeing, of course, in human terms, uh, because the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented yourself members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now that you present your members, Present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then, the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things, of course, is death. But now, having been set free from the sin, having become slaves of God, you have your fruits to holiness and the end to everlasting life. So just because man created a civil law that made we're no longer slaves, that doesn't actually mean what it has, what, it, what we think of meaning. So, man created a civil law that's ended slavery in, in some of our countries. I know in a, not all of them. But in reality, in real human terms, we're still slaves, not to the human being. We're either slaves to sin, which produces something, or we're slaves to righteousness. Which produces something. All right. Righteousness. Eh, kind of scooby line there. Righteous produce something. So sin produces something, righteous produces something. What does sin produce? It's something, it's, it's something we all experience. We call it sin produces death. So we're so the production of our slavery in the case of sin is death. Production of our slavery because of righteousness, of course, is life. The opposite of death. <laughs> right. They produce two, two opposing things. So either instance, we're still slaves. So just because we have a civil law that got rewritten or erased, or sorry, but they erased an application of a Torah law, the principle, however, hasn't changed. The principle behind the law itself doesn't alter. So in fact, we are, we are quote, free, because term loosely free, and then we're no longer slaves to a, another human being in that capacity, but we aren't actually free from anything because we're still a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness, which is a, a, a good point. So we have a, a physical law that changes us as examples, this world of obedience, but we, have, but, but we still have the, the, the physical, sorry, the real spiritual law that hasn't changed at all. Again, we're dealing with, 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 with a, a civil law the Torah talks about. But in fact, because God doesn't mix, sorry, doesn't separate civil from religious, civil laws are spiritual as well. They're, still, they're, they're equally used as far as how they're applied. So man has the ability to override or write over, override an application of any particular law in the Torah. 
it's obviously our decision as people to follow Torah, whether it's it's righteously overwritten in the case of slavery or unrighteously overwritten in the case of circumcision. So we have decided which is to apply. But regardless of what man does, spiritually speaking, we haven't changed. We're still slaves to either sin or righteousness. That hasn't changed us. It's what our actions don't change based on what man does as civil law. This again, why God interacted. These things are stuck together as one massive law, one massive uh, perspective. Uh, I won't go there today, but John 8 discusses the same topic. John 8, verse 30, 36 through 36. Messiah states the same thing in much, much shorter terms. Just pretty simply, hey, you're a slave to one or the other. Choose, right? You got to choose which one you're a slave to. So this is an interesting scenario. So we have this, this scenario of we have a slave. Now, now let's see if we can apply this concept of slave to sin versus slave to righteousness and go back to our Torah and discuss how would that apply. We have this civil law that doesn't apply anymore per se, but we have the spiritual law that still has the same. Those of you who read this Torah, you probably read across a few things that may have caught your attention and said, I hate that part. No one likes reading that part. In the case of slavery in general, and one of them, this is the, this is the cool part. I like this, this. I like this part of the Torah portion because the way this is applied is pretty awesome. So I'm going to erase this real quick. I'm going to actually I'm going to rewrite it a little differently. So I'm going to move it up so I have room to write down. So we have a scenario which, regardless of what a man did in the civil law, I'm still a slave. So I have a slave of righteousness. I'm going to put this under God's category, right? I have a slave of sin. I'll put this under, because I, I'm the one writing, writing it. I'll put it under Satan. <laughs> that doesn't actually have to mean Satan. I'm just putting it there because I, I needed a spirit being to apply to it. Um, so you have these two masters, God and righteousness or Satan and sin. It, doesn't, it could be, you know, enter your demon name of choice under the sin category. I don't really care whether it's Satan or somebody else. There's a whole bunch of them out there. So your choice. I'm just putting it there because convenient the Bible discusses it in, in, in New Testament. So we've got a right to Now this one, the right is going to, is going to eventually lead to life, which we already discussed that minute. And this of course leads to death. These are the, 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 the two different products that both, that both will create, right? That's what they're both going to categorize themselves. Now, in this Torah portion, we discuss this, char- this character uh, of, the, of, the, of the slave that says uh, a man who, who has sold himself to a slave or whatever, and his master gives him a wife, right? So we have the scenario, I'm going to erase part of this line here. So you have this man, and uh, he comes in single, his master gives him a wife. And they, she hopefully, God willing, has children. So wife and uh, children. Now we have this strange scenario which God says, okay, the guy comes in, he's a slave for up to six years, right? Then the seventh year goes free. That's the rule for him. But if his master gave him a wife, the wife remains the master's and the children remain the master's. They, in both scenarios, no matter what happens, and that's of course if he comes in with it, he's already married then of course then that that goes out with him but if he's not married and his master the case whether the master is satan or the master is god there's made difference the, the wife is given to him and the children of course she has children this is this is great out of six years he goes free now put yourself in the man's shoes six years i've married this woman for six years or thereabouts maybe five and i don't know what time he, he, she was giving him as a wife i have a, ki- a couple of kids maybe they're three four or five year olds i don't know how, how many how many there are but a few of them i'm gonna sit there and say as a man oh, okay 
catch you later, master. Have fun with my wife and the kids. Uh, I'll see you some other time. Maybe. That's highly unlikely, right? Typically in this scenario, we think, oh, well, well, you know, obviously the man would say, oh, I love my wife and kids. The case go to the master. So the Torah gives a scenario where the man says, I want to keep my wife. I want to keep my children. I love my master. I'm going to stay here and, be, and continue to be your servant, your slave for however long that, that ends. Obviously, the guy dies eventually. Now, let's, 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 let's shuffle the cards a little bit. Let's pretend for a minute the man's master happened to be God. All right. So let's say God was a master, so he was a slave to righteousness. So in his life of righteousness, as this is his master, he's following the laws of God, the instructions his master gave him. These, you will act this way, you will behave this way, you will treat people this way. These are the actions, which you, how, how you will live and how you will worship me. God has instructions on how he wants his, his life to live, how he wants people to serve him. That's great. Man been doing it for six years. God gave him a wife. God gave him children. And now he goes to six years and says, okay, God, I'm done being righteous. I want to go off and play. Right? Now, if we think, uh, if he's going to take his wife and kids with him, and God's saying, uh, no, they're still mine. They, they stay with me. They stay with the master, God. So the man goes off and does his goof-offness and messed up life on the sin category. But God says, regardless of that, the wife and children belong to me. So whatever he does, that does not mean that the wife and kids have to follow, right? We say, oh, well, this is wonderful. This is great. God's saying this wonderful things here. The wife and kids are, are still belong to God, even though the man does something really dumb. That's wonderful. Now let's flip this. We shuffle our cards. Let's say the man's master was Satan. It was death. It was, he was a rotten human being. His wife, Satan gave him his wife. She was a rotten human being. The kids were terrible, it, doing awful things. And the man says, um, no, I'm done with that. I want to change masters and go to God. Now, according to Torah's instruction, the wife and children remain Satan's. It's like, whoa. <laughs> what? What? That can't be. Well, it does. And I'll explain why. It's pretty cool, actually. We'll, we'll read this. We'll go through this one. So man changes way. He's ahead of the household, right? But his wife and kids remain under the death category. They went to their, their raunchy behavior, their, misbe- their evilness, their corruptions, all those awful things. Man says, I don't want to follow that Satan, that, that, that death. I want to go over here for life. I want to follow the righteous path. The wife children, well, they still belong to Satan over there. Okay, how do you deal with this scenario? Again, shuffling cards is pretty awesome. So we're shuffling these cards a little bit, and Messiah already answered the question, which is cool. I like when he answers questions ahead of time. So when we create theoretical scenarios, hypotheticals, it's really cool that God, God through his son, said, yeah, I already had a hypothetical thought about it because I'm smarter than you. So here's a hypothetical. Here's how he fixed it. So because he's hypothetical, the hypothetical scenario is taking place, we're, we're pushing this. Let's go to Mark. This is recorded in Matthew as Mark, as well as Luke, but that's okay. We're choosing one of them, which is fine. Um, in the case, Mark chapter 10. So Messiah didn't, didn't write out in my, in my, on my whiteboard this scenario. We talked about it. <laughs> now, he talked about it in a different context, which, which, but the context still applies regardless of how it's being worded. So Mark 10 starting in verse uh, 17. Now, this is a scenario which took place. 
Oh, 17 through verse 31. So it's a, a, a big passage. Now, he, this is Mark 17, sorry, Mark 10, verse 17. Um, now, he was going on the road, and one came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus answered him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but the one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not, yeah, this, this, that, that's a, so, so by the way, Matthew records this differently, but that's what we're, we're doing in Mark for now. Um, my wife just, just noted that. <laughs> so, uh, you know the commandments, quote, do not commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and honor your mother. He answered him as a teacher, all these have observed from my youth. Then Jesus looking at him, loved him and said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give the poor that you may have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away, grieved for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? His disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying to themselves, then who could possibly be saved? But looking at them, Jesus answered, with men it is impossible, but with God, but with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say, see, we've left everything to follow you. Jesus answered, said, assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come. But many who are first will be last, and the last shall be first. So, Messiah, through a roundabout passage about a scenario where man, man, man approached, the man saying, you know, granted, context is everything, but in this instance, the context still applies in our hypothetical scenario. So his point is, okay, you left man, the man, you left your, now in this instance, but he's talking to people who are only obeying the laws of God to begin with. All right, these are, that, that's, that's who he's talking to, but the principle still applies. So a man said, I'm going to abandon my way of death, my way of sin, transgressions, iniquities. And this might back to a hypothetical. So I'm going to change this. I'm going to travel and go over to be a slave of righteousness. But the wife and children obviously remained in their original master. He's pointing out that, man, if you do this, if you make this transition, don't worry. Wife and children, you will receive them in this world and the world to come. We say, well, how is that possible? I don't understand. Because the blessings of God, God has the ability to say, okay, this arrow that's moving over to death's side, wife and children, you observed what your husband did. You can now follow too. So he's pointing out that to the power of God, this individual, the wife and children, can switch masters too. But it requires a power of God. So it's a blessing of God to do it. So in this scenario, this hypothetical scenario, though the Torah says the wife and children remain Satan's side category in our, in our hypothetical, he's pointing out that, man, if you transition over, I can take care of your wife and kids. I can bring them, I can shift them as well. But that's a scenario which Messiah says, you, you have to make the commitment. So this, this, this transition can take place, but it requires 
obviously the possibility only of God. You have your question, Lorianne? Hold on. So, so she's asking with the microphone over there. Spielberg so can hear it. Hold on. I pass, pass your microphone. Hold on. Here you go. Does this tie into the father? The daughters are covered by their father till they're a certain age and they get married. Their husbands can still undo stupid decisions they've made. The man can choose, not to say that the wife and children can't choose to, but the man can. Uh, can change masters um the women and children are covered by that and those choices and that's why because isaac brought up the point that the boys when they're being raised are under their father but they're also need to be making the right choices because they're the ones that can undo foolish choices that the women and children can make is that i'm not sure that this is coming into a question but i see it being tied together so if I understand correctly, then your, your, your question basically is that, so we have scenarios in our Torah where a child or a wife can fall under their husband's or their father's protection. If a husband and father says, hey, wife, children, we're changing gears, we're switching masters from this side to that side, that that can help or assist in covering those, that wife and children, even in the time period which they may not necessarily making the right choices yet, but they can follow in that capacity. Why, why do I need a man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. The, 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 the principle of why do I need a man? Myself. Right. So, so why do I need a man to undo my choices if, if, if I can undo them myself? And you can undo them yourself in certain scenarios, but it's, it's a very narrow scenario. In this instance, we have the case where the man can make this decision, and because he's still over his household, yes, that would technically apply. And that she, she can, hey, cover the, the failures of his wife and children at this point in the level, up to a certain point, of course. Obviously, children will, will, will grow up to become something as they become their own adults, but then we're not discussing that at that time. So, in this case, they had that, that, that option. So, this man can swap, and in that swapping process, has the ability to technically cover the mistakes and errors of his wife and children, as the apostles do, describe as well. Only Messiah can cover his mistakes. So if he makes a mistake, it's God or Messiah, the only two ones that actually can cover his. He doesn't get someone to overrule him like a dad or, or, or a friend, or even for that matter, a priest cannot overrule him. God has to do that. So if a man makes those decisions and he swaps, God is the one who has to cover it. And that would go back to our previous hypothetical, which I have my arrows reversed the other direction, where if the man says, okay, wife, children, you can remain with God, I'm going to go out here with Satan. <laughs> And do his thing because God, because after six years, the man was done. He wanted to switch, switch masters to be, to be, to be the master of sin. The, the wife's covered either way because she remains to God. So, no matter what happens in this scenario, God has the power to cover the wife in either situation and the children in either situation. And the reason, and our Torah portion actually talks about this, the reason why God does it because he says, You will treat the, what, the widow and the orphan well. If you don't, I'll kill you and make your wife a widow and your children orphans. Because the charge of God is the widow and the orphan, those who are un under subjective control. Those are the ones he cares for more so than us guys. No offense, guys, but that's how life works, right? Oh, yes. Uh, Carrie, you have your hand up. Go ahead, Carrie. Um, so something that's um, kind of standing out to me, too, in this is that sometimes I think, well, I know I do. And, and I know of other people who do, maybe not everybody. Um, but I have a tendency to, when I'm reading something like this, it's like, this is like a tunnel vision thing where we're just focusing on this 
And it can seem with tunnel vision like, oh, well, then the wife and children are stuck with the unjust master. Right. (laughs) You know, but, you know, thinking about it and looking at this going, well, wait a minute, not really, because there are all of these other laws pertaining to, to slavery where there are reasons why someone would be released from an unjust master. Correct. So any abuses, right? <laughs> exactly. Which of course the adversary is not going to be a just master in any scenario. Right. So there there would be ample there are ample opportunities for the rest of the man's family to be released in that in that scenario. Right. And you know, and then also in the New Testament it does say that um even a believing wife can be sanctification for her husband and her children as well. So there exactly. is that parental protection. That, that can happen too. So right, you know, that, that was our next, my next part. I'm going, oh, man, I'm almost out of time. The next part is a scenario which the wife can be set free by her master. So let's pretend for our back scenario, the man hung out over here. He said, I am done with uh, the life of sin. And the wife, let's say, let's say, for example, let's say the wife divorces him. Who knows? Maybe not. But, and the children were over here under the, the, the master of sin, or sorry, uh, master of Satan, the, the, the uh, slaves, slaves of sin. So, but slaves said there, there are scenarios which if the master makes any permanent harm, damage at all, she goes free. <laughs> We're talking Satan. What's his objective? His objective is death. <laughs> That's his goal. So if he does any permanent harm, the Torah obviously gives example of the eye, or a tooth. Now we think, well, okay, I can tooth is pretty minor, so it doesn't matter. If the master, Satan, does any harm to the wife or the kids that cause any permanent damage, guess what? They are now free. So there are scenarios which the wife and children can change masters as well in the case of any injury takes place. And what was that? Oh, how does Shemitah? So Shemitah is, is a cycle that is specifically for the righteous category. And it is specifically for those who are Hebrew or descendants of, 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 of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, right, yeah. So people who choose to choose their hat, they change hats. I want to be on that part of, the part of that team too. Then it would apply to you. You, 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 you can group people and can, people can transfer it over. It's designed inherently to shift people from the sin category over to the righteous category our whole tour is designed that way every scenario you can come up with this is there which you can be defaulted or or dropped in or brought over to god's side pretty easily because satan's objective is death no offense to people of nigeria but it was brought up by sam the muslim trying to murder mayhem wreak havoc destroy stuff in nigeria which is not uncommon is not not it's not eyes to his to that one nation. There are many nations have this problem in Africa. All those are geared toward death, geared toward harm, geared toward injury, geared toward misery. Any scenario that causes lasting harm, that includes death, shifts this person from here, they can now switch sides as far as the Torah is concerned. I'm not saying it won't cost them lives physically. I know Islam is not a kind religion, but uh, it's still the category, the, the application still applies. So righteousness still, still abounds in either way. And the cool reason as to why this happens, why God did it this way, is because He is God, a real God. In, in Psalm one fifteen, which I like, I'm going to end. Oh, I was not going to end there, but 
no, I can't end there, but I'll just, I'll just reference it. There's one thing I have to hit, hit first. Psalm 115 discusses this, but hey, our God is a real God. He's not made of stone and rock and everything. The thing that have no, can't speak, can't see, can't talk. Those things aren't God. Yeah, the, the things that should bow to me because I can do all those things and they can't. <laughs> so those idols should be on the ground saying, wow, you're, you're, you're awesome. You're a human being. You can do all that stuff. So Psalm 115 points, out, 115 points out that our God is a real God. These other sides are awful. I'm not saying demons aren't real. They are, but they just aren't gods. So in the case of these categories of these, 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 these masters of the sin is, is still an area which we don't want to be in. But of course, God gives us scenarios, every scenario which we can get ourselves out of. But I can't stop there because it's something important, which I had uh, Jeff read earlier uh, uh, before I started this spiel, was that uh, in Romans 12. So we discussed this scenario. So if I were to shift my life from being slave to sin, to slave to righteousness, I'll get life. That's great. That's wonderful. But our Torah portion has a rule. It says, you will take the murderer away from my altar and kill him. So, well, how does that apply? I don't get it. I'll explain. It's actually not that complicated. Uh, in the case of an offering, we understand somebody who's a slave to righteousness will have offerings to offer. Our Messiah, he's our high priest. He requires offerings of praise and good things that we're supposed to offer to God on a weekly basis or through Messiah to God on a pretty regular basis. That's a normal thing. Well, unrighteous also has offerings, of course, to death. But if we have an offering, the offering in principle is me. Now, I'm not physically not physically me, but principle is me. I take the goat, I take the lamb, I take the bull, whatever it is. It's me that's doing the offering. I'm not physically killing it necessarily. The high priest does that, but I'm bringing the offer to it. That is to represent my, either a praise or my sin or my whatever it is. It's me that's offering it to identify me. So my name gets put upon this thing. Well, in the case of take away this murder from my offering, from my altar, sorry, that because my offering goes to altar. If I have an altar that I am under this category of sin and death because I killed somebody, I'm a murderer. Murderer. I think it's, or, I'll just put murder. I don't have to murderer. Murder. I murdered somebody. I'm under this category of sin. It's a sin. It's a transgression. It's a serious one, a really serious one. So I'm, I'm a slave to that, that, that sin because I murdered somebody. And God says, okay, if you were a murderer and you want to be over here in the righteous category, God says, uh, uh, sorry, hold on a minute. Active murder or people who's murdered somebody, that's not an acceptable offering. I mean, you're, you, the offering, you can't, I can't give a, a lamb or a sheep or a goat or, 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 or an ox or anything else that will pay for murder. It's not an option. So murder is my, is my life it takes. And God points out, if I want to bring my sin, I want to say, hey, I'm a murderer. I'm in the, the, the subject of, of the sin is my, I'm a slave to sin. I was shifted over to the slave of righteousness. God says, uh, hold it. Murder is its own category. Hence, you, when I want to move from sin to righteousness, I have to present myself in a particular way, which Romans 12 discusses, that you are an acceptable offering to my God. So murder is a unique scenario. It's not that God can't forgive murderers. I'm not saying that. The point is that it is a special category of murder that we have to deal with. Alex, you had a question? Well, it's more of a comment. Um, I think, you know, there's always the American South and the slavery. It, it actually 
uh, got worse because it was challenged and it was going so much against God's laws on how to treat slaves. Early on, slaves were freed. We, we have record of it, freed up in New York, yeah. to some degree. So by the time the pressure's really on, they're chasing people down into foreign countries. So, I <laughs> yeah, mean, it was exponentially, <laughs> and the damage was, was apparent after doing that. But they, yeah. they, couldn't, yep. they couldn't run far enough from God's laws toward, away from God's laws for slavery, uh, concerning slavery. <laughs> That's a true comment. So uh, th th slavery is still alive today in the same category. There are still people who are, who are hunted down and in, 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 in many countries uh, and used in this category of slavery. So it, it, it's, a, it's a civil law that has not truly found its fulfillment, which I wanted to talk about for Romans 3 regarding that topic. But um, I'm going to have to cover this first really quick before I, hit all, before I end in Romans 3. So in Romans 12... Um, the first two verses discuss that you have to present yourself a, 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 or a, a, an acceptable offering to God. So I'm going to switch, switch slaves, uh, switch masters, sorry. I'm switch masters from the master of sin, leads to my death, to master of righteousness, leads to my life. That's great, wonderful. But there are certain scenarios that may take place, which is not necessarily wrong. I just have to accept that this is the consequence, right? So Romans 12 points out that beseech you the verses first two verses but beseech you the brother therefore brethren for the mercy of god you present yourselves a living sacrifice holy acceptable to god which is your reasonable service and not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that what prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of god so i i want to i want to bring myself over from the Slave to sin, to slave to righteousness. I want a new master. I want to switch over masters. But I have this scenario that I'm a murderer. I've killed people. Maybe I killed a lot. Maybe I killed one. I don't really know. It's a point that I'm a murderer category. And God points out, hey, you can't just jump from you know a murderer to now you're guilt free. It doesn't quite work that way for murderers. God says this murderer, this person, cannot offer present themselves to me, God, as a acceptable offering because they murdered. Hence, why the Torah says murderers should take them from God's offering, the offering an altar, as it points out in the Torah, the altar, your murderer, you cannot leave them, you cannot accept them at the altar. You have to take them away from the altar and actually execute them. So, case of murderers, to, to become an acceptable offering or sort of rest of God, unfortunately, it does require something, and that requires your life. Now, requires your physical life, all right? Physical. That does not necessarily mean that God won't accept you. It just means that there is a consequence that does cost a particular thing, in this case, a physical life. There are very few scenarios where someone can be a slave to sin and they can't just jump over and switch masters. This is one of them. Murderers don't quite get that, that, that luxury of jumping over. It really requires their, 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 their death to actually make that transition. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing for those who are the victims. They, they actually like that thing. But the, the awesome part of, in my opinion, this part, I'll, I'll end with this. I know, I know I'm a little over time. So the awesome part of this is that in, we always ask ourselves, or actually the Apostle Paul asks, asks or people ask him, some of us asked him that. I'm not sure if it's a hypothetical meaning he created the question or somebody asked the question. But anyway, Romans 3, he discusses a scenario 
in which there's something which we look at that and we just kind of, well, at least I have always sort of glanced past, ignored, because it didn't really mean a whole lot to me. Uh, Romans, the first couple of verses there, the first uh, four or so, it says, What advantage is a Jew or what profit is a circumcision much every way because under them were committed the oracles of God? For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? So not let indeed let god be true but every man a liar as is written so in this scenario the advantage of this man let me erase the section romans 12 here of this man which i wrote up by hypothetical earlier with his wife and kids children they're not goats but call them children um he has wife and children this man in the case of this man, his advantage, this, this option of switching from master under ma- slave to sin versus slave to righteous, a master of Satan versus master, your master is God, the advantage he has because God gave it to him. That's his advantage. It was given to the Hebrews. Now, with not to say to all the, all the Gentiles, they weren't given this. The, possible, the advantage is that it was given to them. That's their great advantage. Not that they're better than us or, or worse than a Gentile. Nothing. No, it was just given to them. That's their advantage. They actually have this option laid out to them. It was given to them. That's who it was given to. Said, well, what about me? I'm a Gentile, right? I don't, so I don't get this choice? Oh, no, no, no. Not saying that. The advantage that Jews had or Hebrew was given because the law was given to them so they can do this. They can choose and be examples of how to choose of, of a slave to sin versus slave to righteousness. I can choose to shift. I have a, 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 a legal means of swapping from one side to the other side. That is their blessed gift. And us, those of us who read their texts, realize, oh, that's how you do it? Cool. I'll follow your method. Hence, we get to then follow as Gentiles the examples that God gave to the Hebrew man, wife, and children. It's why it's, it's, yeah, exactly as I put it. That's why it's important you set a, a proper example, a true example of Torah observance. Why civil and religious laws are so heavily intertwined together that the Torah does not separate them because it matters. This civil law here that allows a man to shift over, allows a Gentile over here later on who's observing or watching, who is, who is still on the slave of sin category, says, wait a minute, he got out? Can I do that? It has the same option. I could do it too. It's the example given. What advantage did you have? Major advantage. They're the example. Uh, yes, Rose, your question? Uh, yes, does that... Does that include us uh, Hebrews in Romans 11 that was grafted in? It's all the same category because you can't get, you, you, you biologically are a Hebrew unless you're not biological, in which case you're grafted in the same principle. Is that that means that we, the only reason we get grafted in, these are grafted in, is because we have the mechanism, the legal mechanism to do that. We had the mechanism was created, the grafting in process by obviously given to us with Ruth in, 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 in the Bible. It, she, there's, there's many examples, not just her, but it, she's one of them. As far as choosing to say, I'm going to choose, I'm switching sides, I'm altering methodologies, I'm altering my masters. So we have the choice of making those shifts, which is great. That's an awesome thing to do. And of course, she followed, of course, 
we will discuss her story. That's a whole different, whole different story. But the process was given by legal means within our Torah that allows Jews to switch, be Hebrews to switch, and us as Gentiles follow in their path, follow the same methodology of switching. New master. I don't want a master of sin, master of righteous. How I do it, this is how I do it. I switch over. Now, if I'm a murderer, okay, unfortunately, it may cost me life still. Uh, there, there are certain scenarios, certain sins are not so easily uh, got rid of. What about a dumb what about a dumb 18-year-old who had an abortion uh, and she didn't know any better? Right. That's a great question. It comes up very frequently in not just this Torah portion, but other Torah portions. The act of, of, of child sacrifice. So many racist part of here. So child sacrifice is also grouped the category of murder. So child sacrifice, which obviously abortions are all child sacrifices. So child sacrifice. I think I spell it right. Sacrifice. Yeah, close enough. Um, for children. Now, technically uh, speaking, an abortion, what you're telling me is sacrifice and not murder? Well, aren't they the same thing? Uh, that's what I'm trying to find out. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. If, 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 if <laughs> sacrifice is just the methodology which I kill it. Okay. Right. It's, I'm still killing it. Right. <laughs> Just because uh, I choose a sacrifice in the form of, you know, the, the surgeon's knife, hack, 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 versus the sacrifice of, you know, the fire, burn it, or in some cases, the trash can, dispose of it. Oh, sorry. I'm not, yeah, it's a Lorianne point out. Maybe you're thinking the positive for sacrifice, sacrificing to God. Well, sacrifice is sacrifice in general. The category of sacrifice, why, why? Abortion is classified as sacrifice is because the reason for the abortion is pretty obvious. You, you don't want the child for a variety of reasons. Most of them result in uh, my work, which means your prosperity, your means, or, or, or money. It costs too much money. Or uh, I don't want it. Because it cramps my lifestyle. <laughs> Who knows? All these different groups. Now, obviously, there's some of them are forced, but forced. But these all categories and the others you can think of. There's quite a few more. Are all the exact same reasons child sacrifice was done two thousand years ago? The same reasons. They want prosperity. They want success. They want their personal wants and desires to to honor their gods. Their gods will bless them for these things we offer the child. It's the same thing. Just because we relabel it doesn't change what it actually is. Sean, you have your hand up? Yes. Um, so this is a year of just vulnerability and uh, just honesty. I was 16 when a lady and I got pregnant and we oh, planned parenthood, I think it was called, convinced us of all these things about work, money, and all that stuff, but also that we would... Um, be uh, it would be a, a hardship on the kid growing up with kids having kids etc cetera, etc cetera. so anyways all this stuff came in and i was convinced that that was the thing to do and so i where, where i fallen in that that's all the kind of that at that moment in time so the individual who is talking to you in some case, it might be our own conscience, our own thoughts. It could be a parent. It could be uh, some authority figure. It could be a doctor, whatever. Whoever's talking to you makes a difference. They're also advocates of this, the, the, this, this slavery of sin. You're, you're still a slave to sin. Yeah, they're possessed. Yeah. 
<laughs> I won't necessarily go there, but that's okay. <laughs> the point is, they're all categories and all servants of that slave to sin. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's an excuse that they have sword. The point is that slaves of sin tend to group together. Uh, in, in the form of uh, uh, bad behavior is typically not necessarily individual by themselves, all by themselves. It can happen, don't wrong, but as far as not always, it's usually with groups of other people. The point is that the master of sin, the master, in this case, the master of the slave of sin, he has servants too, or it has servants. Say, I don't know if it's a he or not. It's, it has servants. Um, and those servants are still designed to convince you that this is a co- totally cool, great thing, wonderful. Because again, the goal here of that master of sin, that's the Satan, to his slaves, is death. That's the objective. That's the point. That's what he wants. Yeah, so how do you choose life in this scenario? Well, it's actually not as complicated as it kind of sounds. So in this case, we have a case, so hypothetical, I, I sacrifice my child, if were abortions or whatever you want to argue with, sacrifice your child. For, for, for different reasons, if you were convinced one way, thought something, believed something, who knows, fill in the blank, it's your choice. So in case the sacrifice a child, how do I move from, I don't want to be a slave of sin, I'd rather be a slave of righteousness. You can still change your behavior. So just because it may cost you a physical life, which by you, in case you haven't noticed, every human being alive actually dies. I die, she's going to die, you're going to die, we're all going to die. So it doesn't change. So the point is that how God accounts this is what we're discussing as far as this process. So everybody actually technically dies. We're all our flesh, we're flesh and blood, everybody dies. You don't get out of that. That doesn't change. So we're not changing that point. Is that, but however, you as a person, if you're in this category, don't become the altar offering. I think I need to forget myself room. Offering. I'll use the term offering. You can't become the altar offering. You just can't. That's not an option. So a murderer does not become an, alt, an offering, offering the altar. But who can in your place? Who can offer? Who can become the altar offering in your place? Yeshua. Ah. Yeshua. <laughs> so there's always a way of going from one side to the other. So God says, I'm sorry, this individual, I cannot accept them as an offering. They cannot present themselves as an offering. So we'll offer you. But one person can. So in this instance, we have a murderer offering somebody who's offered a child sacrifice whatever there's been lots of over thousands of years right lots of child lots of children are dead millions are dead in abortions there's a whole bunch of them they're all categorized as murderers by tech by definition but i can't they cannot themselves be an altar offering however <laughs> messiah can he can be that altar offering in your place does that make sense? Uh, yeah, Daniel, it's been uh, ever since then, 16 years old, it's still weighs in my heart and makes me cry. And it will. I'm, uh, no offense, but I've known enough people who have either themselves have given abortions or had abortions or advocated for, it makes a permanent scar. It'll be there till you die. Uh, I'm sorry. I know that they will God will heal wounds. Yes, he does heal wounds, but that's going to affect a human being. It doesn't, that God won't forgive it, but it will always affect you and always be on your conscience. The, hey, this did happen. It's part of who you are. It's part of the walk you've walked. It's part of actually how important this offering of Messiah is to you. It becomes far more 
important to you than somebody who is not in the category of murderer. As I pointed out, when someone gives, who, it gives a little bit who's rich, doesn't mean a whole lot. So it gives a whole lot who's poor, it means enormous amounts. The, uh, the offering of the lady who was really poor, I can't remember how many, two mites. She didn't have very much to give, but she gave everything she had. It was enormous gift that it was so much more important and more, more significant. Someone who's being forgiven a whole lot of major sins versus someone forgiven very, very minor or a few sins. The ones with major sins are really grateful. Wow, that was awesome. Thank you, God. The minor sins, oh, that's good too. Thanks, God. It's, it's not quite the same. The major sins being forgiven are hugely important versus the minor sins are not as, nothing important, but not as, and the gratefulness is not quite as welled up as significant. So this, this, there's this scenario which you find yourself in, and, and many women do, many men do. It's nothing unusual. That, that Messiah offering allows him to be in the place of you because God said, I can't take you. I just can't. You're, 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 you can't. I can't accept you as an offering. I take you away and it requires a death. And besides, I got that under one condition. You got to trust in me. So there's, there's a condition that Messiah's going to give. I'll, I'll do it. Be a trust to me and believe in me. So the murderer can, even in that scenario, we have which even the murderer who is a, sin of, uh, a slave of sin even they have a path method, pathway of not just changing behavior, being a righteousness, righteousness, um, but they have a pathway of their, of their own conduct, which, mind you, if we discuss the topics of the gospel, this forgiveness Messiah gives does require a conduct change by the murderer. We call that sanctification. So, you still have to change your behavior. Your actions, what you look, look is the same as somebody who didn't commit a murderer. Yeah, I never did it in, and I raised two daughters, so I, I think I Which did. Was great. Living amends. <laughs> you did better. That's good. That's, that's, you changed behavior, right? That's a blessing. If I, if you then go back and return to offering and killing children, not today, Satan. I don't. I don't want to be there. Sorry, I don't want to be in your shoes. No offense, but that's dangerous territory. As Messiah said, "Hey, I'm going to offer myself once, not again and again and again and again and again, because you keep backsliding." There's the other scriptures about that, and that's more complex, and I don't want to go there today. That's really, really lengthy. Um, Sam, you had a question? Sorry, go ahead, Sam. Uh, it's, a, it's just a comment on uh, the scripture as you are uh, you know, uh, teaching. Uh, the scripture that came in mind was uh, on uh, Luke 23, verse 39 uh, to 43. You know, the two uh, perfect examples of what you were, you, know, you were talking earlier about being on Satan's side and on God's side, the grace of God that can transition us, you know, from being on the dead side into life side. We have a two scenario, two life that is hanging on the cross with the Lord. So they both deserve death penalty. One decided still, to make a transition to life. The other decided to remain the way it is. And, right, and they both receive. You know, I believe the Lord said today, tonight. It's only one that He was talking to, the one that you know transfer Himself, that recognized said tonight or today you're gonna be with me in paradise. Right. So, and I look at that and say, okay, only you know, as He mentioned to Peter, with man it is impossible, but with God. Right. It is possible. Everything is. So Everything that's, is possible. Yeah, so that's, that's exactly. Yeah. 
Excellent point. So we have a scenario, even as he points out, even Messiah's own death, when he was physically died, we have a scenario of this situation happening. A man, I think they're, I don't know if they're both murderers. I can't remember the two people who were killed with it. I can't remember, I've forgotten what their crimes were. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. But a man who had the option of choosing, actually both men, of choosing this, even though they're in the process of dying, choosing this direction and one saying yes and one saying no, which is pretty amazing. But we have these scenarios, even on your, on your moment of death, you have the choice of switching and altering to a new master. So there's really no moment in time as long as you breathe, then you can't say, I'm changing teams. I, I want to switch. I want to change masters. So the, 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 these are pretty cool situations, but God made the legal situation of the Torah and gave us abundant examples of how we can shift this scenario over. Uh, Sean, you have a comment? Yeah, just real quick. Uh, uh, this whole thing on the side of Satan and the slave and Man, Jonathan Karn came out with this book, Return of the Gods, and it, it has hit me to the core and, and it awakened me and given me some understanding. I mean, I have, how else can I explain from stuff that was going on in my marriage that led to the divorce, led to her being married to another woman, Maddie being trans, and Shelby being bisexual? How do you explain it from raising them in the church to, to going when we let disobedience in and that cracks the principalities of the air to suffocate you if you're not careful because it did me man for the last seven years every every scenario it has its own unique struggles i totally get that i'm not this is um it's a scenario which is it's a, it's a, these are counseling sessions you have a one-on-one -on -one discussion on these topics they're hard um i get it yes, i get it I'm sorry, I took you way over time. I apologize. I was supposed to end 20 minutes ago. Well, 25 minutes ago. Um, but to be fair, some of these were questions. Anyway, uh, anything else you can say, ask or, or comments regarding the, the, this, this portion or discussion we had today? Hopefully it makes sense. I like this tour portion for a lot of reasons. I, I like every tour portion for a lot of reasons. But this is pretty cool uh, in that I like the legal framework that God put in here, which is, again, our God is a God of rules laws and instructions hey he i'll have religious laws and civil laws shove them together because they mean one thing they're always interchangeable any other comments or questions i just have a quick one go ahead is uh remember the thieves on the cross the two thieves with yeshua yeah they were not pickpockets oh they probably yeah, weren't the one yeah. repented and right. what did yeshua say to him it's uh, surely it's easy that you'll, you'll be in, 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 in heaven. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. You'll be with me in paradise someday. Yeah, you know, right. right? Yeah. yeah. So that thief was a murderer. That's why he was on the cross. He wasn't on the cross because he was a pickpocket. Yeah. It's, that's what I would think. So, I mean, you don't usually murder people for theft. You murder them for, for take your life. That's all principle behind it. Right. So I imagine the guy had to have been a thief slash combo killer. Maybe it was a highway robber, highwayman. I don't know, but I think highway that, robber. Be, yeah, that's yeah, probably, that probably the category he probably would fall under. Which case he probably did. In fact, I say probably. I don't know. I wasn't there. Was probably in the category of murder or assistant assistant to a murder. I don't know. I'm not sure. But he probably was in that category. And Messiah again can even cover him. It's pretty cool. I was going to say um, Barabbas was the one who was pardoned. He was the murderer. Right. He, right. He, yeah. He just murdered for the sake of murdering. I guess. I'm not sure. It's kind of interesting. Well, again, these, these, these are legal discussions as far as how we deal with, with individual characters that our Bible discusses. But, uh, and, and I don't know all the details of their, of their personal lives. 
uh, I, I don't know if anybody has any records of their personal lives, but anyway, the point being that these scenarios can happen. So the, 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 our, 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 our understanding of, Hey, I, I killed a baby when I was, you know, a teenager cause I was whatever, or, 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 or as an adult, it didn't make a difference what, what age you were. Those stairs can still be taken care of. It's just that your behavioral change is not going to be a sufficient enough offering to God. Not that this is good. You have to do that. You still have to be behavioral change. But in those instances, your only offering option is Messiah alone, which he said he'll do once. So don't go back to your old way of life. Don't, don't, don't revert and go back to your old way. I'll just go back to murdering again. So we got to watch those. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, enjoy, Mello. Go ahead. Unmute yourself. Yeah, there's. Um, I just think it's, yeah, I just think it's comical that sin is sin and it, it's always the same, right? Like they murdered people on the side of the highway, they sacrificed their children, they, right, like all of these things way back, and then you see us here now, <laughs> and we'll murder people on the side of the highway, and we'll sacrifice our children, and it's like, yep. like there's not a whole lot of new material because it's, it's just satan's ultimate plan right he doesn't have a whole bunch of new material it it's just same, is it, always the same and, it, yeah. and yet we continue it just yeah. it's yeah it's, it's it's the same playbook he doesn't he doesn't change his plays he changes the spin on how it sounds word choices but it's the same thing Nothing ever changes because or how it's is done. Death, or how it's done is all is also pretty much the same. He may he may alter a yeah. few things, make it repackage it to look a little differently this time versus last week. But it's still the same thing. <laughs> Nothing really. He, he's not that imaginative. Right. Um, anyhow, any other questions? I totally over time. I really apologize for that. Anything else? I answer. Otherwise, we'll close in a prayer. Wait. Uh, well, I hope I hope it won't be admit. Okay, so murder, right? Okay, well, would, would right. you consider mutilating children a murder? I mean, you know, at the young age, they're doing this uh, gender right. thing. So, right, so it's that, that, it's it not classified as murder. Their whole life. Right, no, it's not classified as murder. That goes to the category of the eye. You have to make a slave go free if you, if you injure an eye or a tooth. They have to go free. So any permanent damage classifies as this person is no longer subject to the sin of slavery or slave to sinner. I said, sorry, slave, sin to slaves that that master Satan has to, by God's law, let them free. So that's what that would category. The person, now the person may be emotionally wrecked, maybe destroyed in many, many different ways, any kind of surgical, whatever's and all the other garbage that goes with that. Their life wasn't necessarily taken, although someone do commit suicide. Um, the, 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 the category of damage falls under you've made a permanent change or permanent injury to this individual. They are immediately set free from the slave to sin. Now, granted, the person could choose to live in that way as their own choice, but, they, by, but by Satan no longer has ownership of them if that happens. You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. Hallel.info.